All right, guys. Well, we're going to get into the teaching of the Word today. And uh, I'm kind of excited. Our main passage today is going to be Genesis chapter 16. And this is kind of cool because I actually preached on Genesis 16 uh, the summer of 2019, so two years ago. And then I also preached on the same passage a year ago, almost to the day, November of last year I preached on it, and now I'm preaching on it today. So basically three times in the last two years I'm preaching from this passage, and it's been a different sermon, a different topic, a different direction every time, and that's because the Word of God is living and active, right? It's alive. It's fresh. Every time you read it, God has something new for you. Don't ever let the Word of God gets stale and old in your life. Come on, it can speak something new to you. It can speak life to you every time you read it. So I want to get into this today. Now, I want to share this about myself that when I do counseling, I kind of view myself as having a, a bit of a prophetic edge when I counsel. And, and what I mean by that is that when I go into a counseling appointment, I have absolutely no idea what I'm going to say. But then when we get into the appointment, the Holy Spirit begins to flow, and I begin to speak. And it's not that I'm winging it, because I went to school, I got my psychology degree, I've taken tons of Bible college classes, I've studied the Word, like, I've prepared, so I'm not like I'm winging it, and I don't know what I'm doing, but when I go into a, 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 an appointment, I just, I tend to not know what I'm going to say. And it drives my wife nuts, because when we're doing counseling as a couple, she'll ask me, so what are we going to talk about? What direction are we going to go? And my answer will be just be like, well, I don't know, let's just start talking and see what happens. So... So I was in one of these appointments uh, just about a week and a half ago, and in the midst of that appointment, again, this was a phone call appointment, and in the midst of it, I encouraged the person that I was counseling with what I felt was a prophetic word, which was, don't be a slave to your circumstances, get a word from the Lord. And then on Monday, when I was doing my rooted Bible reading, according to our November calendar, we read Genesis chapter 16. And as I read Genesis chapter 16, I was like, oh my goodness, this is a confirmation of the word that I just gave in my counseling appointments. And so I just felt like because God spoke it so powerfully to me, it was not just for this one person that I was counseling with, it was for the church. And that more people need to hear this message, whether you're here today in person or whether you're on our digital campus. And so I'm excited to share this message with you, and I believe that some people are going to get set free today because we declare the word of God. So the title of the message is exactly that, A Slave to Circumstances. And so I want to talk to you today about the difference between being a slave to circumstances versus being a servant of the Lord. A slave to circumstances or a servant to the Lord. And so if you've got your notes, you can find your notes inside your bullets in there, or you can also find them on our Kauai Bible Church app. Or they're attached to this video, or they're attached to this audio. So however you're partaking in this message, you can find the sermon notes. And you can see this is our big picture point today, is that we all have the choice to either be a slave to our circumstances or to be a servant of God, the one who is Lord over our circumstances. So we can either be a slave to our circumstances, or we can be a slave to the one who's a Lord over our circumstances. But the important thing is that we have a choice. And as we teach today from Genesis chapter 16, we're going to look at the life of Hagar, who was a slave. 
And living a life as a slave generally means you don't have a lot of choice. But what I want to learn from this story, let's be honest, anytime we talk about slavery, all right, there, there are no heroes in this story. Yes, Abraham is a hero of the faith, but in this story, he is not a hero. There are no heroes when it comes to the, the institution of slavery, right? So I understand that as we read this story, some people are going to be bothered by how Abram and Sarai treat this woman, Hagar. And I'm bothered by it too, and I just want to be upfront about it. That's not what this sermon is about, but I just want to touch that base to make sure that, that we're on the same page here. Hagar was a slave, and as a slave, she didn't have a lot of choices. But we're going to learn from this story that she had one choice to make, and that choice should encourage us as well, that we have a choice to make too. So let's pick this up. Genesis chapter 16, starting in verse 1. It says, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, and she had an Egyptian maid whose name was Hagar. And so Sarai said to Abram, Now behold, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Please go into my maid. Perhaps I will obtain children through her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. After Abram had lived 10 years in the land of Canaan, Abram's wife Sarai took Hagar the Egyptian, her maid, and gave her to her husband as his wife. He went into Hagar and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her sight. So what we have here is Abram and Sarai have a promise from the Lord that they are going to have a child and that out of that child it's going to come many nations and that God is going to bless many nations, right? What do we know about that promise? That God was establishing the Hebrew people, the Jewish people. But after 10 years of that promise, they still weren't pregnant, and they were pretty old, right? They, they uh, at this point, I believe Abram was 86, and Sarai was pretty close to the same age, right? So they were well past childbearing age. They still weren't pregnant. And in the custom and the culture of that day, 10 years was about the limit that you would give your wife to bear children before you would give up on her and move on. And so you can tell that in this moment, they're reaching that 10-year deadline, and Sarai is getting very scared. She's getting very insecure. My husband's going to give up on me and move on, so I need to come up with another plan. Here's my plan. I'm going to take one of my slaves and give her to my husband, and, and she'll have a baby, but I'll consider it my own. That was her plan. And so that's what they did. Now, Hagar, we don't know if she had any say in this. Did she have any say in whether she had to go along with this or not? Or was she just forced to marry Abram and, and to sleep with him and to conceive a child with him? We don't know. What we do know is that Hagar saw the opportunity here to use this to her advantage. Because it says the moment she became pregnant, she despised Sarai, which means she began to hold Sarai in contempt. It was almost like Hagar was using this as leverage, like she saw this as her opportunity to change her station in life, that she no longer had to be a slave or an underling, but now she was the one that was bearing a child with the man who had the promise. She was now the one that was going to be esteemed, and because of that, 
she began to disrespect Sarai and mistreat Sarai. And her hope was that maybe this was a power move where she could change her station in life. But we don't know what choice she had in whether she was going to sleep with Abram or not. Are you guys following with me? But what I want us to learn from Hagar is that we don't have to be a slave to our circumstances. We don't have to make our decisions and have our decisions dictated to us because of the situations that we're in in life. So you can see in your notes here, we, we've got a definition. What does it mean to be a slave to your circumstances? It means to believe that you have no choice but to accept life the way it is. Your circumstances dictate your decisions and your behavior regardless of whether it's morally right, healthy, or fruitful. Right? So every decision you make is dictated by your circumstances, not by the truth of God's word, not by what is morally right as defined by God, not by what is healthy and fruitful in your life. No, your decisions and your behavior are simply dictated by your circumstances, and you feel like I have no choice but to live the way I'm living or to act the way I'm acting because this is what's been dealt to me. I am a slave to my circumstances. What does this look like in our lives? Well, it could look like I keep working at this job even though they ask me to do immoral things because I need the job. I'm a slave to a circumstance. Or I keep working this job even though the environment is toxic and unhealthy because I'm a slave to the circumstance. What about... I have to keep allowing my family to violate all of my boundaries because that's just my family culture and I have to keep letting it happen. I'm a slave to circumstances. I have to keep living with this person I'm not married to because I can't afford to live on my own. I'm a slave to my circumstances. I have to keep going back to this person who's abusing me because I have nowhere else to go. I'm a slave to my circumstances, right? I can't give tithe to the church because I don't have enough money. I'm a slave to my circumstances, right? I have to keep acting a certain way at school because that's what they expect of me. I'm a slave to my circumstances. Are you guys following me here? This is what it means as, as, as we're stuck in this place of, of, of being a slave to our circumstance. And what we're reading here in this story is that just like Abram and Sarai, Hagar tried to take matters into her own hands to leverage the situation for her gain. But what she learned is the same lesson that many of us keep learning, and that is when we do things our way, we will only get human results. When we do things in our strength, when we do things according to our circumstances, we're only going to get human outcomes. But God has called us to something greater. He's called us to live a life of supernatural fruit. He's called us to live a life of kingdom outcomes and kingdom results. And we aren't going to find those if we live as a slave to our circumstances. Now, we look to the Word of God to inspire us, right? The Word of God is inspiring 
for a couple of reasons. One is because we read about people that are broken just like us and yet still find a way to live for God. That could be very encouraging when we're in our brokenness is to see the brokenness of these people in the Bible. But we can also be inspired by people in the Bible when we see them living a certain way in spite of their circumstances. And I just want to encourage you this morning with a few examples from the Word of God. People who refused to be slaves to their circumstances. People who refused to let their circumstances dictate their decisions or their behaviors. For example, how about David living in caves? David was anointed to be the king of Israel. David had slayed a giant. David had led one battle after another, being tremendously victorious. David had married the king's daughter. David had all of these things going for him until the king lost his mind and turned against him and started throwing spears at him. And David had to run for his life as the king and the king's army pursued him. And because David was running for his life, he found himself living in king in caves. He went from being anointed to be a king and winning all these victories to living in a cave. And yet while living in a cave, David refused to be a slave to his circumstances. Twice in these caves, he had opportunities to kill the king that was chasing him. And in both times, David said, I am not going to be a slave to my circumstances. I'm not going to make a decision because of my circumstances. He said, I refuse to raise my hand against the man that God has anointed as king. David refused to be a slave to his circumstances. He continued to make the godly choice no matter what was going on. How about Daniel as an exile in Babylon? As a young Jewish man, he was brought into the Babylonian school, raising up advisors to the king. And in this situation, Daniel refused to eat the king's food that would violate his faith. He could have been a slave to his circumstances. He could have said, well, I have to eat this food. It's the only food that's being offered to me. And if I turn it down, the king might kill me. And, and, and I can't reject his food. And he could have just said, you know what? I, I'm a slave to my circumstances. I have to eat this. But he said, no, I refuse to eat this food. I refuse to eat it. And then when there was a proclamation declared that you could only pray to the king of Babylon and to nobody else, and if you pray to anybody else, you will be executed, David, uh, Daniel refused to be a slave to his circumstances. And he continued to pray out loud to his God. Because of that, they grabbed him and they threw him in a lion's den. But wouldn't you know, that God protected him because he refused to be a slave to his circumstances. How about Esther as the bride of King Ahasuerus, or also known as King Xerxes? She didn't choose to be the bride. She was also, as a, as a Jewish young woman, living in this Persian empire where they rounded up all the beautiful young women and paraded them in front of the king because one of them would be chosen to be the new queen because he had just cut the head off of the former queen. And so Esther is rounded up as one of the young, beautiful women. She didn't want to be there. She didn't want this position. She didn't want this life. But the king chose her and married her. And now she had to live this life where the only time she would come in to see the king or talk to the king was when he called for her. And to come to him when he didn't call for her, she risked having her head cut off. 
But when all of the Jews in the Persian Empire were being threatened with extermination, she refused to be a slave to her circumstances. The circumstances would have said, you know what, I'm sorry, I can't do anything about it. I'm just going to remain silent and do my job as the queen. But she refused to remain silent. She spoke to the king on behalf of the Jewish people, and she saved an entire ethnicity of people. How about the woman with the issue of blood for 12 years? She had a bleeding disorder. She had gone to every, every practitioner, every doctor. She had spent every dime that she had. She was destitute and had no money. She had tried everything, right? Witchcraft and, 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 and different forms of things. And she had tried everything. And after 12 years, she still had a bleeding disorder. But now she was destitute with no money and with no hope. But even in this situation, this woman refused to be a slave to her circumstances. She said, I've heard about a man that if I could just get close enough to him to touch the hem of his garment, maybe healing power would flow through my body. And so she pressed through the crowd to Jesus at the fear of being rejected or, or ostracized or any of that. She pressed through the crowd to Jesus and grabbed hold of the hem of his robe and healing power flowed through her body. She refused to be a slave to her circumstances. Come on, I want to encourage us today, Kauai Bible Church, that we would refuse to be slaves to whatever circumstance we find ourselves in. Picking up the story in Genesis 16, in verse 5, it says, And Sarai said to Abram, May the wrong done me be upon you. I gave my maid into your arms. But when she saw that she had conceived, I was despised in her sight. May the Lord judge between you and me. But Abram said to Sarai, Behold, your maid is in your power. Do to her what is good in your sight. So Sarai treated her harshly, and she fled from her presence. Now the angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, by a spring on the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, Sarai's maid, where have you come from, and where are you going? And she said, I am fleeing from the presence of my mistress, Sarai. And then the angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit yourself to her authority. And so we can see here that's, that Hagar's plan to use her new leverage to change her station in life did not work. She got human results. All she got was that her mistress, the woman who had authority over her, Sarai, instead of treating her properly, began to treat her harshly. So harshly that she ran away. But in this moment, I believe that we see the key to something changing in Hagar's life, that she switched from being a, a slave to her circumstances to being a servant of God, and it's because she ran away. And so you can see in your notes that I've got this simple encouragement, this simple encouragement. Stop what you're doing. Separate yourself and get a word from the Lord. Stop what you're doing, separate yourself, and get a word from the Lord. You see, what happened here with, with, with Hagar is she got herself out of the circumstances. Now, I don't think she did it necessarily with a pure heart, like maybe God will talk to me. No, I just think she was so desperate and so mistreated and so harshly treated that she just felt she had to get away. 
that she just had to get away. But by stopping the situation that she was in and getting herself outside of the circumstances, what she did is she put herself in a situation where she could get a word from the Lord. Because when she was separated from her circumstances, God spoke to her and God gave her specific instructions, specific next steps to follow. And I believe that those next steps changed everything for Hagar. And again, I think we can look to the word of God over and over again to see that when we get a word from the Lord, it changes everything. When we get a word from the Lord, it changes everything. Check this out. How about Moses? In Exodus chapter 3, Moses was an outcast in the desert. He had been an outcast for 40 years. He was living a life of anonymity, right? He had gone from Pharaoh's palace to just raising a family and and shepherding his father-in-law's flock out in the desert until God got his attention from a burning bush. And when Moses drew near to the burning bush, Moses got a word from the Lord. And that word from the Lord told him what to do next, to return to Egypt and to demand the freedom of the Hebrew people. And by getting that word of the Lord, everything changed for Moses. How about Hannah? Hannah was in torment in her barrenness in 1 Samuel chapter 1. She couldn't have a child. Her husband had a second wife who was bearing children, and that second wife was tormenting her. And her torment and her depression became so bad, she developed an eating disorder. She wasn't eating. And so what did she do? She went to the temple, and she began to cry out desperately cry out desperately unto the Lord to give her a baby. And it says that she was weeping. And the priest saw her. And the priest gave her a word from the Lord that she would bear a child. And she left knowing that she would bear a child and that she would fulfill her oath to the Lord, that she would dedicate that child unto the Lord. That child would become Samuel, the great prophet in the Old Testament. A word from the Lord changed everything for Hannah. What about Elijah? Elijah had a great, powerful, prophetic ministry. And yet, even after winning some great victories, the the threats from Jezebel and the devastation that Jezebel had already done and all the prophets that she had murdered was kind of like the straw that broke the camel's back that Elijah couldn't take anymore. And it sent him spiraling into a depression and he ran away to hide. He didn't want to serve God anymore. He didn't want to live anymore. He didn't want to do anything anymore. And so he finds himself hiding in a cave when he receives a word from the Lord. And the word from the Lord came from a still small voice. And what did it do? It told him what to do next. That you are to go and anoint the next king of of Israel. You are to go and anoint the next king of Aram. You are to go and anoint your successor, Elisha, who will carry your prophetic mantle. He knew what to do next, and it changed everything. And Elijah came out of that cave and re-engaged the life that God had called him to. It changes everything. How about the Samaritan woman at the well that Jesus encountered in John chapter 4? She had five failed marriages, and now she was living with a sixth man who wasn't her husband. 
And she encounters Jesus at the well. And Jesus spoke to her personally and taught her about worship and salvation and revealed himself as the Messiah. And this woman went back into her town and changed everything. She became an evangelist as she began to tell everybody about this Jesus that she had met. A word from the Lord changes everything. And I want to encourage us today that a word from the Lord will change everything. So what do we do when we find ourselves feeling like we're a slave to our circumstances? We need to get a word from the Lord. So stop what you're doing. Separate yourself from the circumstance and seek the Lord. We can see in all of these examples that, man, people got a word from the Lord because God got their attention in the midst of a circumstance, because God used somebody else to speak a word into their life, because God spoke to them very personally and directly. You might hear the voice of the Lord audibly, or you might hear the voice of the word as a still, small voice in your heart. God might speak to you in a vision or in a dream. But listen, God speaks today, and God has a word for each one of us. And I want to encourage you to separate yourself from your circumstances so that you can find that word and you can receive that word from the Lord. Because when we respond to that word, listen, when we respond in obedience to the word that God gives us, immediately we stop being a slave to our circumstances and instead we become a servant of the Lord. Even if that word is to go back to your circumstances. Because that's the word that Hagar got. Hagar went back to the same circumstances, but she was different because she didn't go back as a slave to a man anymore. She went back as a servant of God. And it changed everything in her life. Let me encourage you. You can see these points in your notes here. Let me go through these fairly quickly. When we serve God rather than our circumstances, number one, we will do things God's way and in God's will. We will do things God's way and in God's will. We'll stop doing things our way and getting our fruit, and we'll do things God's way and start getting God's fruits because we're responding in obedience to his word, and we'll find ourselves in his will. Listen to these quotes. Abraham Lincoln said this, Sir, my concern is not whether God is on our side. My greatest concern is to be on God's side, for God is always right. Come on, we want to be on God's side. We want to be in the middle of his will, because his will is always right. Charles Kingsley A uh, a great theologian from the 1800s, he said this, There are two freedoms. The false freedom, where a man is free to do what he likes, and the true freedom, where he's free to do what he ought to do. Come on, when we become a servant of God, we we aren't free to do whatever we want. We're free to do what we're supposed to do. And that is the true freedom. So what do we see in Genesis chapter 16? We see that Hagar went back to Abram, and she had her baby, and she submitted herself to Sarai. But she went back different because now she went back in the Lord's will. She went back because he said to. The second thing when we serve God rather than our circumstances is that we will view our circumstances with a different attitude. 
being a servant of God gives us a different focus. And so we're going to have a different focus and a different vision that will carry us through our circumstances. A different focus and a different vision that will carry us through our circumstances. So even if God calls you back to the same circumstances, you're going to go back to those circumstances with a different attitude, with a different vision. You're going to see them in a different way. Number three, we will experience his provision. Hagar went back to Abram and Sarai trusting that God was going to take care of her, that God was going to provide for her, and God was going to provide for this son that was in her womb. She went back trusting in the Lord. We also read this week Genesis chapter 22, and we read the story of Abraham taking his son Isaac, the promised son, to the top of the mountain to sacrifice him unto the Lord. And right when he was about to sacrifice him, an angel of the Lord stopped him and provided an animal instead for the sacrifice. It was a great test of Abraham's faith. But in verse 14, Abraham concluded by calling the name of that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it will be provided. The Lord will provide. In the original Hebrew language, that was Yahweh Yireh or Jehovah Jireh. The Lord is our provider. And listen, when we are a servant of God and we do things God's way, God will provide for us. It goes on to say that the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this thing and not withheld your son, your only son, indeed I will greatly bless you and I will greatly multiply your seed as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore. Right? God God said, because you did it my way, I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to take care of you if we do it God's way. Also, number four, we will see his promises fulfilled. We will see his promises fulfilled. God gave some promises to Hagar. He said, I will greatly multiply your descendants so that they will be too many to count. The angel of the Lord said to her further, Behold, you are with child, and you will bear a son, and you shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has given heed to your affliction. And then he goes on to prophesy about Ishmael. All of those promises were fulfilled in Hagar's life. Why? Because she was a servant of God. Because she was obedient to do what the Lord had asked her to do. There are promises in your life and your circumstances might be making you feel like those promises are impossible, but they are not. What we have to do is serve the Lord and we will see those promises fulfilled. And then finally, as servants of God, we will experience a newfound freedom. A newfound freedom. Thomas Watson, who was a great Puritan theologian in the 1600s, he said this, to serve God, to love God, to enjoy God is the sweetest freedom in the world. To serve God, to love God, to enjoy God is the sweetest freedom in the world. It's the great paradox of the kingdom of God is that to experience the fullness of freedom is we make ourselves a slave unto the Lord. Let me have the worship team come back up today. There was a Roman philosopher named Seneca, 
And Seneca was actually a contemporary of Jesus. He lived in the Roman Empire the same time that Jesus did. And Seneca was against the slavery that was in the Roman Empire because the Romans harshly mistreated their slaves. And so Seneca wrote as an opposition to slavery, and he wrote great letters in opposition to slavery. If you ever want to go study them, they are powerful declarations. But one of the statements that Seneca made, I find actually was only a half-truth was only a half-truth. Seneca said this, and there is no state of slavery more disgraceful than one which is self-imposed. There is no state of slavery more disgraceful than one which is self-imposed. And I think he only got it half right because Seneca was talking about us willingly putting ourselves by making bad choices or making poor decisions, putting ourselves into a situation where we have to live life as a slave. And if that is the case, then yes, that is disgraceful. But there's the other half of that truth, which is we are supposed to live in a self-imposed slavery. But that self-imposed slavery is making ourselves servants unto the Lord. Every writer of epistles in the New Testament introduced themselves as a doulos. That is the Greek word for a bond servant, a slave with a master. Right? Paul, in most of his epistles, introduced himself. I am Paul, a bondservant of the Lord. In 2 Peter, Peter introduced himself. I am Peter, a bondservant of the Lord. In the book of Revelation, John introduced himself. I am John, a bondservant of the Lord. Jude introduced himself as a bondservant of the Lord. James introduced himself in James 1.1 as a bondservant of the Lord. All of these writers of the New Testament viewed themselves as servants as slaves unto the Lord, but it is a self-imposed slavery because we have a choice. And I want to call all of us today to make the choice to not live as slaves to our circumstances, but to live as a servant of the Lord. And what does that mean? That means that we stop and we take some time to get outside of our circumstances so that we can receive a word from the Lord. And I think it's important to clarify, listen, a word from the Lord will always be confirmed in the Bible. God will never speak something to you that is contrary to the Bible. Right? So you say, well, I got a word from the Lord that I'm supposed to leave my spouse and go marry this other person. No, God would never give you that word. Right? I got a word from the Lord that I'm supposed to continue in this sin because God wants me to continue in this sin. No. God would never give you that word, right? So when we seek a word from the Lord, let's take it back to the Bible and make sure the Bible confirms the word. But listen, when we have a word from God and then we are obedient to that word from God, even if that word from God puts us back in the same difficult circumstances, everything changes because now we're serving God and we're going to experience the provision and the freedom and the fulfillment and the fullness of being a slave to the Lord rather than being a slave to our circumstances. Amen. Can you stand together with me today? I want to pray and I want to seek the Lord together. I believe there are some people here today in person or some people that are on the digital campus with us. This message is speaking to you right now. You find yourself in situations that you just feel like you have no other choice but to stay in them and to submit to them.
And I believe that this is a divine moment in your life where God wanted to take a moment to speak to you very personally and say, you don't have to make your decisions because of that circumstance. You don't have to make your decisions because of what you feel like you're stuck in. And God can give you a word today, a next step, the next thing to do. He doesn't always reveal the whole picture, but he tells you the next thing. And when we take that next step, we step out of slavery to circumstance, and we step into slavery to the Lord, which is the sweetest kind of freedom we will ever find. I want to pray for you right now. And in fact, I want to do this. I just want to invite the entire church to lift your hands up to the Lord as an act of worship, as an act of submission unto him. Because I don't want to just call out a few people and have them be embarrassed to raise their hands because they're the ones that feel like a slave right now. Let's all just raise our hands together as a unified body, knowing that right now somebody's going to get set free. Right now, somebody's life is going to change. Right now, somebody's going to receive the ministry from the Lord that they need for everything to transform in their life. Come on, right now, Lord, we seek you. We seek you with all of our hearts. And Father, there are many across this congregation and many that are watching on the internet, watching on a video or listening on an audio right now that find themselves in situations they're stuck in, stuck because of finances, stuck because of abuse, stuck because of family expectations, stuck because of insecurity, stuck because they just don't have the boldness to push back against the circumstances in their lives. But Lord, they have just been stuck. And today I just want to declare a day of freedom. Oh, Holy Spirit, would you come right now? Lord, just as you sent your angel to find Hagar as she was uh, running from those circumstances to give her a word. God, today would you send your Holy Spirit to all of us as we lift our hands before you? Would you send your Holy Holy Spirit with a word. God, would you speak it in a still small voice? Oh, would you speak it in a vision? Oh, Father, I pray that if if you've got a word to share, send one of our Christian brothers or sisters to us to share that word with us, that that word of the Lord will set us free today, that that word of the Lord will set us on a new path today, that that word of the Lord will lead us to a place of freedom today. Oh, we cry out for it today, Lord. Send your word. Send your word. Send your word, Lord, and Set us free today. Set us free in this place, we ask Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Oh, God, do your work. Even as we worship you now, do your work, Lord. That is the cry of our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's worship the Lord together. Give him praise. Worship the Lord. Seek him. Seek that word.